in the house. Let me hear your bark. Let me see your bite. Let me see your scars. You know what we about. Come see us in the yard. Hello and welcome to All We Hear is Purple, the third or fourth most mediocre Husky football podcast on the entire internet. I am Andrew Berg, and joining me tonight, as usual, we're a day late, we're probably a dollar short. It's Gaby Lucas. Gaby, how's it going tonight? Hello. It's we good. didn't record, I mean, you know, good. We didn't record yesterday because like half of the Seattle area was without power intermittently mm-hmm. throughout the day, and it makes it hard to record a podcast. Theoretically. Um, I, are you it seems like you have electric lights on now so you're probably yeah. in the clear I do I'm living the high life I have <laughs> lights I have a computer I have a microphone I don't mean to brag or anything doing hot it's, uh, it's it's times like this when we uh really have to like look for the positive the silver linings uh because mm-hmm. husky football hasn't been giving us any of those silver linings any of the positive vibes uh, let's talk I mean there's a lot of stuff to talk about Let's start with the Oregon game, because if we don't start there, I think we've got plenty of other things that we'll go down the rabbit hole and spend the entire time talking about. But this game, it looked painfully familiar. I, you know, we talked about, like, was Stanford a turning point? Were the new insertions in the defensive lineup actually better? Or was that just playing against an inferior opponent? Uh, I think Oregon highlighted that they are a better opponent, and a lot of the things that went wrong through the year um, were present to an even larger degree in this game the offense couldn't block for the run the line couldn't block for the run the passing game was extremely erratic dylan morris made some highly questionable decisions the play calling was very predictable and very static there were seven total first downs offensively and the defense just could not stop the run is there anything notable from what you saw on the field other than, you know, what we're going to talk about in terms of implications for the program, but the game itself, was there anything that you're going to remember from that one? Um, I'm going to remember that race Porter is a God, <laughs> which I already knew first off. Um, I mean, I've been on the criminalize American punters, any, I should say criminalize all punters that aren't Australian. I've been on that bandwagon. No, nay. I started that bandwagon. A couple years ago. And you know what, Race? Thank you for proving me wrong. I like being humbled. That's why I like Ben Burkirvin, because he he proved me wrong. You know, that's a really great sign when your punter is just when you're all excited about your punter. And like, you know, Carson Bruner. That's nice. It's nice finally having uh, another reliable inside linebacker, especially now that we only have four. scholarship she says while sobbing into her headphones it's tough to have four uh linebackers when you play a two four front i guess we those are on the inside yeah not that that it's like you're doing hot now you don't worry the two of the two of the four are outside so we're good uh but (laughs) and and a whole bunch of them are injured too or retired or unable to play um yeah, I, I, I was the, the race Porter point is a good one. I'm glad that you mentioned that I, I <laughs> during the game. I think it was uh, the, the fourth and one at the Oregon 43 or whatever it was when they punted and he, he put it. It was the one immediately preceding the safety, which was mm-hmm. nuts. But everyone, all of the friends around me were just losing their minds that he was punting, which was yeah. appropriate. And I, yeah, I was yeah, totally. beyond losing my mind. I was just 
quietly shaking my head and sobbing. Uh, <laughs> but it, he, he coffin cornered it and then immediately forced the safety. And it was just like, well, I guess we're doing that every time as long as he's the coach because it worked once. <laughs> like probabilities be damned, but that's just what we're doing from mm -hmm. now on. I, I thought strangely this this felt a lot like the Montana game, the like the offensive ineptitude and the inability to make any adaptations on the fly. Like you kept feeling like, oh man, if we could just get a little bit of traction, the defense is kind of keeping us in the game, even though we're not doing a great job. Especially of at the beginning the too. Yeah, yeah. Until it, that like, that interception by Sermon early on and. Um, uh, Bruner. Bruner early on. Yeah. yeah. And Sermon made it. Uh, I think it was Sermon the one who made the tackle on the safety. Anyway, both think, of them yeah, yeah. Uh, had big plays early on. And, and oh, man, it was just the wheels really came off. It, like, <laughs> I, I was, this is this is kind of a, 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 a tangent, but uh, I was also this weekend, there was a, a big English soccer match between Manchester City and Manchester United, the Manchester Derby. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was so reminiscent of, it happened Sunday morning. It was immediately after the UW-Oregon game. And in that game, Manchester City uh, scored two goals pretty easily. You know, two nil lead is pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of like oh, casually God. maintained the ball and passed it around uh, the attacking third and didn't really try a lot of shots and didn't really do anything risky because they just knew that as long as they held on to the ball, their opponent couldn't do anything against them. And their only chance of scoring was if they made some kind of dumb turnover. And I was like, Oh yeah, I just watched this game. It was a different <laughs> sport, but it was this game. Yeah. And it even goes like deeper than that. Like Manchester United is the historical. I, I was going to say Man U and Man City are pretty Oregon, Washington. It's so it's terrifying. Like on a way, on a way higher yes. like level yeah. of insanity. Of like course. the, the oligarch with questionable morals taking <laughs> over the lesser team and driving them to greater success. Yeah. And yeah, than the the historical juggernaut not being able to get out of its own way, hiring incompetent coaches mm -hmm. who are kind of charismatic and then just sticking with them forever. I was talking about this with a friend of mine who's a big Man City fan and also a UW alum, and he was like, "That's a weird you're, combo. You're not making me feel great about this." Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, why. Oh, sorry. Go on. You've you've made your choice. Yeah. Are you are you are you do you have a preference between Man U and Man City or or are uh, you just were you just watching it because you know it's like the Derby and yeah you wanna... it's, it's okay. that's no I I mean honestly I said I hate Manchester United it's just like I I hate all of the monoliths in every sport yeah. like yeah, I hate I Alabama that. and I hate yeah. uh the Yankees and like on down yeah. the list so uh, well that's why fit with that. like I don't I'm not a huge soccer person but I'm, I, everything, all of my minorly held opinions are pretty much based off of the fact that, you know, when I lived in Vancouver, half my friends were British, et cetera. And so, and so I'll, you know, I just was like, all right, you like Arsenal? Sure. I'll be, I'll, I want you to be happy. I guess I'll be, I'll guess I'll support them a little bit, but the only, the only team that I like just on principle don't like is Chelsea because one of my friends from DC is telling, telling me about Chelsea and how he's like their history at and, and because he's a Chelsea guy and I, he was explaining it and I'm like oh so they're Oregon <laughs> they're Oregon them and Man City are like Oregon yeah so I hate them yeah. just because Chelsea they're is like pretty Oregon. Oregon I yeah I, I also despise Chelsea and I have friends who cheer for them and it's yeah. just there are a lot of teams not to like there but let's mm -hmm. I mean I, we start, got down this rabbit hole by talking yeah. about sorry uh, everyone the inability of Ali Gunny Stoshar, or I mean, uh, Jimmy Lake to make any in-game adjustments or to like understand what the, the flaws in his 
extremely talented roster are. And that brings us to the topic of coaching, which is relevant today and this mm-hmm. week. Um, I mean, I, I think anybody who listens to this podcast probably also takes a look at our UW Dog Pound website and can see that every post that has anything to do with coaching is getting like 200, 300, 400 comments on it, which is, you know, quadruple what they usually get. Like people are fired <laughs> up about this topic. Let's give you a quick recap. I mean, everybody's aware of this, but I think it's uh, just to kind of put everything back into context of how we got uh, to the point where we are now, where Jimmy Lake is suspended for striking or hitting or pushing or grabbing or swatting, smacking, shoving, manhandling, whatever. Rupiaki, Fuiabe, Fuiabe. That was not a name I'd ever heard before. I'll admit. He's a walk-on mm-hmm. from O'Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, ninety-eight percent. It's O'Day. It is O'Day. All right. Boom. So think about all the things I could do if I didn't have any of this knowledge in my head. I would be like a genius. I mean, a genius of a certain kind already. I mean, Mm. this is is it valuable? It's a novelty. That's that's a different question. Yeah. Uh, So as a result of that fracas, uh, Lake is suspended for one game. Most of the local media is saying that he can't or won't or shouldn't ever come back from that suspension. Uh, to a degree that it's kind of like eerie groupthink where everybody in the local media had to write uh, Mm. an opinion column over the last three days to make sure that they were on the right side of history somehow in kind of like a strange way. Like everybody had to get their their name on the record. Uh, Hugh Millen said on the radio today that Lake is done. He's never going to be, he will be done at the end of the year at at most. And they're negotiating a buyout right now. and Millen is probably as plugged into the UW program as any human being uh, who's not in the program. Mm-hmm. What was your, before we get into the, all the implications of everything, when you first saw that uh, interaction on the sideline, the, the pushing mm. the player or whatever, what was your reaction to it? Like before we get, I'm assuming you saw it on, mm-hmm. on Twitter yeah. or, you know, whatever. Well, I saw it. Yeah. I remember seeing it live. I remember okay. seeing it live and actually being kind of, cause it was during one of those, it was during that drive where UW had done like, a couple like at least one really dumb personal foul I think it was Dom Hampton and then there might have even been two and the like one other like one or two other just like like foul after foul after foul and just that they were being idiots and uh like I fully well so while that was happening I I remember seeing that kind of pre-scuffle stupid 19 year old boys yelling smack at each other and i just remember being like oh god oh god no shut up stop it and i remember seeing jimmy like going like running briskly towards him and being like i get why he's running briskly towards him and then seeing him like shove another assistant out of the way and kind of be a little bit seeing him like put hands on a ref just to get the ref out of the way but it was very forceful and then seeing him shove him out of the way and in seeing that sequence happen i remember at the time being like oh god like this does not look good on him and i'm being kind of surprised that no one like the announcers nobody was talking about it while it was happening not like not i wasn't over there pearl clutching or anything but i was like you know that when something awkward is happening and you just kind of want to sink into your chair and like cover your face (laughs) that's what i felt like watching that because i was just like god stop don't even like like obviously you don't want like your players to get another personal foul but at the same time, like you are exhibiting the behavior that they are exhibiting in the opposite direction that gets them a personal foul. And, and, and I, so it was kind of, I was just kind of surprised at how like the sequence of when that was happening, 
um, of how there was like no reaction immediately until after the game when people started talking about it. Um, and maybe that was just, I wasn't looking at Twitter enough, but, but it, it was, that was a little bit surprising to me. And then, and I think, correct me if you have seen different responses, but I feel like the two main responses have been people being like, or maybe there've been three main responses, two and a half, I suppose. People being like, yeah, that's not cool. He should be disciplined. And within that group, a lot of people obviously being like, and he's a bad coach or he (laughs) has been coaching his team poorly um, uh, as a head coach, not, I should say he's a bad head coach. So this is a convenient out, (laughs) but, and, 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 you know, like, I'm not going to pretend like that isn't a part of it. And then, and then people, and then, and then a lot of, or not a lot, but a minority of people being like, we're soft these days like <laughs> that's just football man. that's just football and i'm yeah. not i think that that is a misreading of most people most of, of the situation because i don't think anybody i don't think anyone is offended by what like did or is clutching their pearls or is like you know i mean obviously that's a behavior that 50 years ago, like if you're Woody Hayes or whatever, 40 years ago, whatever, like, yeah, you would get away with as a coach more often than not. It's not that he hit or shoved a player. It's that he had to like that shows all that you need to know about how a head coach has control of a room or more accurately doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is kind of what I was kind of, when I say kind of, it was, pretty much completely what I talked about in this week's stuff and shenanigans, um, which I still can't believe I named it that, but five <laughs> years ago, I was forced can't to come up with a name it. for that column and I couldn't think of anything. So I took that doctor who reference, but it's just the fact that he, if you can't have your composure as a head coach and you have to resort to that kind of behavior to control your players, a, you can't control your players. If you have to resort to that, like period, you can't. And if you have to, if you feel like you have to do that, then, then that means you failed as a head coach already. And I mean, the, obviously the complete antithesis of that behavior was Chris Peterson, his like death stare, mm-hmm. um, like what we saw against Saul Mooching, against Saul Mooching, his death stare, <laughs> Saul Mooching in the, in the Apple Cup in 2015. Um, and that same year, I, I believe it was, or yeah, of course that was the same year because it was Corey Littleton uh, against USC. Um, but like, you know, you saw, you saw that like really firm, really angry, really terrifying way that he pulled those players off the field and pretty much told them to knock it the fuck off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, both of them kind of mouthed off at him or tried to justify what they were doing at him. Who knows what they said beyond the camera capturing it. And, and the way that that man turned around and pretty much showed them with a face, don't you GD dare. (laughs) <laughs> like you sit in the corner and you think about what you've done and the way that they respected that and corrected their, you know, their everything. It's not like Chris Peterson was a perfect coach, but when you look at that, when you contrast that versus Jimmy Lake on Saturday, I mean, I think that tells you all you need to know, like aggressive dogs aren't aggressive because they know they're in control. They're aggressive because they're insecure and they don't know how to assert themselves. And the ones that are in control, like, you know, whether that's people or dogs or whatever, 
the ones who are secure in their authority and know how to command that authority in that respect and communicate with their, I guess you could call them subordinates or mentees, whatever, you know, whatever angle you want to take with, with players. Um, The ones who are secure, you know, they don't resort to that and they don't have to resort to that. It's not that they, it's not that they have to, and they just go, Oh no, you know, whatever. Like if you're, if you are a really good coach, not even if you're a really good coach, if you are a competent coach, you will have control of yourself. And in order to have control of your players, you'll have control of yourself. You can't, one of, you know, a guy who has had written a couple of things for us many, many years ago before I was here um, on Twitter uh, at Airwolf, I put it really well that a coach loses the author loses the authority to demand control from their players or self-control from their players when they exhibit none themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that was a really good way of putting it. So, yeah, I think one of the things that I thought as it was happening, you were talking about the different ways mm-hmm. the reactions kind of broke down. Like I definitely had the thought of that you, you mentioned of like, Oh God, this is going to be a culture war thing. Yeah. And that did kind of die down quickly, which I'm grateful did, for. Yeah. But the thing that I was, more interested in was kind of running through that scenario of like how do we evaluate this not in the context of everything else jimmy lake has already done and how much he struggled with this program and how that influences the way that i perceive how he behaves and i mean there's there's some validity to that but i think on the other hand if you're trying to approach it as a counterfactual of like what if a highly successful coach did Mm -hmm. the exact same thing and this kind of speaks to your Chris Peterson analogy, but if you want to take him out of it and put, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Dabo Swinney in instead, mm-hmm. or, you know, like somebody else who's just very established and, and confident in himself. The, the difference is that like the Peterson death stare is calculated. Yeah. Like, these things are planned, even if it's in the moment, it, he, he knows he's doing it this way to get the desired reaction. Whereas, like you said, this was a visceral, uh, like Reactive. reaction by, by yeah. Lake where he, he wasn't planning what he was going to do. He just reacted and it was not, it, it was out of frustration. And, and those aren't behaviors that successful, competent winning, like established mm-hmm. coaches. It is not even just like how many games you've won or whatever, like, you know, Stanford has struggled this year. David Shaw doesn't react that way. Like he's, he's much more confident in his own position as the coach. It doesn't react that way. It's just not something that somebody yeah. who's stable does. So that brings us to, to present state. I, I think it is kind of worth worthwhile to look at, like I said, we're trying to look at that one incident out of context of everything else, but the context of it, there are more strikes against Lake. And I think every mm-hmm. think piece about him this week has kind of said, this was not the first thing. This was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think the procession of things as they all have come down the pike, first, the on-field performance has been subpar since he took over. They went three and one in the bizarre year last year, but that easily could have been one and three. Um, The Arizona game was the only one where you'd say like they actually played well. Mm -hmm. They're four and five this year. Uh, That losing record is a very fair representation of how they've played. I mean, see all the problems from the Oregon game. That's been true in, you know, eight of the nine games they've played, those same things have all been true. 
Uh, John Donovan, who's now fired, although it now feels like either too little, too late, or just kind of in like it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like so this thing we begged for all year finally happens, and nobody's really interested. But that's a failure by Lake to hire him. Over, yeah. we don't know exactly what the other candidates were, but the one that he hired failed. Uh, Pete Kwiatkowski was an all-world defensive coordinator who left while Lake was the head coach. You could debate about whether that's his fault or not. I kind of err on the side of Coach K got a better job offer and took it. That's fine. Yeah. And I think it, it can be something that isn't just one or the other. You know? Right. Yeah. But it's it's part of his overall tenure and his resume. Uh, the defense has really struggled and not been able to improve, even though Lake's a defensive coach. We've seen the same problems game after game. Like we talked to Coach B on this podcast several weeks ago. He talked about like some very basic mismatches between the types of athletic offensive linemen we have and the mauling schemes that we use, mm-hmm. how poorly the, uh, the this play calling sequencing built on itself, just like very basic things that high school coaches are able to identify instantly yeah. that are missing. Um, not to denigrate high school coaches, but I think like <laughs> th- th- we ex- expect more from this program. Um, the recruiting has gone backwards. I think there's been a little bit more criticism of the recruiting than is deserved because people say like, oh, we're eighth in the conference or whatever, but that is because we've taken a small class because we have more guys returning, but the average recruit is also down. So like Blake was supposed to be a specialist as a recruiter and at least hasn't gotten better there. It's probably gotten a little bit worse. And just on merit, taking all of those things into consideration, he's already on thin ice. And then we get to the part where it's like, okay, we can't just pretend it's getting better because we like you because now you're embarrassing us. Yeah. Both, I like think the, the, the press conference stuff, the academically prowess, the, you know, this con like physical confrontation with a player. It, it, like, where do we go from there? Is it, it, I mean, I assume he's done. Does he finish out the year? Does that matter to you? Like w- taking all of this into consideration, what comes next? Yeah. I don't think, I think you nailed it. Um, I, I, I mean, to me, it's kind of irrelevant whether or not he finishes the year. Like, that's kind of just a detail, you know, but like mm-hmm. it's all. Um, but I, yeah, I think the, the the big thing was the, it was, yeah, how he spent the last, the last week plus embarrassing this, like the institution, because that goes beyond, like, it's one thing to say you're embarrassing this, this, the school from on your on-field performance but when you're so when when you are so undeservedly cocky despite that that you feel confident going ahead and making those making those remarks despite like a knowing full well either a knowing full well that you are likely to lose on this week weekend and obviously no coach goes into a situation being like, yeah, we're going to lose. But like, if you don't either knowing that and still saying that anyway, knowing that that'll make you look like a fucking idiot and through extension, this whole program and this school and this community, or B, you didn't know you were likely to lose, in which case that's a whole other thing. And it all points back to you anyway, <laughs> obviously. So like, I don't know, I don't even know which one of those is better be like which one of those yeah. I'd rather have because either either way that is like fundamental issues with your view and your approach of of what you're doing and where this program is at and like if you can't evaluate it 
and you can't evaluate your own performance, then how the heck are you going to get better? And I, and I mean, between that and then that incident, and then <laughs> like, just, just, just all of that, it's, it, it, it's just such a slap in the face of like, how can you have, if you're him, how could you have looked at this season and been like, yeah, I'm representing the school and this community really well here. I'm going to, I'm going to make it, I'm going to dig them into a deeper hole with acting how I have. Uh, and that to, to me, that that is really upsetting just because of it, it, it feels like a disregard for everything that you're supposed to be representing, like in everybody you're supposed to be representing beyond you and your staff and your players, because it makes an entire community, it makes an entire community look bad. And like, if you're a football coach at a, in college, you should understand what it is that you're representing. It's not like, you know, (laughs) you're not, you're not the coach of the, who gives a shit in the NFL like where it's a business. Obviously this is a business too, because college sports is, and the NCAA is so insanely bloated. You know, I'm not going to be, not going to, not going to say it's not a business, but it, 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 it expands, extends so far beyond what other sports leagues, um, at least in North America do that for you to look at how you have embarrassed the school on the field and then think, that you could get away with making us look dumb off the field too. Like that just shows a total, a total disregard for everyone you're supposed to be. I don't want to say serving, but, but hell you're a public employee. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like that's just, that's just a, it's just, it just, it feels condescending in a way almost when you, when you look at the, psychological mechanisms um and awareness or lack thereof behind it well i would say just i mean to add on to that i think it's all Mm -hmm. true i don't even think you need to get into the like community impact and the Mm -hmm. uh like the public good nature of this organization and what the community uh benefits or is dragged down by how a team represents itself whatever like i i was saying to a friend earlier today that it's fine. Like, okay. The, the, we talked about the implications of shoving the player and that's true. And it, it, it get deserved attention. I was through with like at halftime of the Arizona game yeah. for all the reasons you said that yeah. he, he either couldn't or wouldn't make the adjustments that they needed to make to take a talented roster and and make it something other than like bottom third of the conference yeah like, I, whatever other impact there is from that whatever is underlying his own like mental approach to it i don't really care like the, yeah yeah the, the results speak for themselves and i know they won the arizona game but it was like a the type of win that tells you you're a week or two away from just getting throttled by oregon yeah yeah uh, although the final score didn't look at that was a very one-sided game yeah. uh and it, not even that great of an Oregon team like yeah maybe or- the 15th best team in the country or something <laughs> I was uh, telling my team. mom I was but, telling my yeah. mom today that I'm like Oregon is the worst one loss team this far into the season and this is all biases aside like I do not mean this is a slight to Oregon because college football is just bad this year in general this is the worst one loss college football team I have seen in a hot minute and 
I'm not, I'm not saying that as a Husky fan. I'm saying that as a college football fan, like, like they kind of yeah. remind me of if Washington was better, but still, uh, you know, not great. Yeah. Like just a good enough defense to keep them in stuff and an offense that obviously can, um, can not totally suck when they need them to not, but also like, like they, you know, they, um, they didn't, they didn't look that great against us either. And we don't look that great against anybody. Yeah. Well, it's like a little bit like our 2018. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I, we're going to the, uh, was it, that was the Rose bowl, right? Yeah. It was the Rose yeah, bowl. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. It's like, all right. <laughs> you say so. <laughs> like, I'll, like I'm not going to be I'm not mad at it, but yeah, I, we're probably not going to beat Ohio state. And we didn't, it wasn't very competitive. <laughs> That could go very similarly for Oregon, the way this year is yep. shaking out. Let's take a couple minutes to talk about um, potential coaches next year. Um, I think we're, it seems like the the uh, tides are securely pushing <laughs> away from Lake having this job next year. Uh, I know that some media people are like, well, we're not going to talk about somebody's job. Like, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we're also not going to talk about like whether a quarterback should get benched or if a yeah. pro should get traded or somebody's going to transfer or whatever. Uh, those are like, yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing. I guess you have to preserve access. So you don't want to like, yeah, threaten we don't, baby. No, we do not. Um, so I, like, to me, yeah, the God tier replacement is Chris Peterson. Like that always kind of goes without saying, um, but there's no reason to think that that's realistic. Yeah. Well, plus um, also, can I add, the God tier would be Chris Peterson before he got, although he says it wasn't burned out. I have experienced what he experienced, and it sounds a lot like being burned out. So yeah. pre-burnout Chris Peterson, which I don't, you know, who knows if he'll ever be at that level again. Yeah. Go on. I, I think the the next tier, which is like, there's a world where this could happen, but we would still probably collectively shit our pants with excitement would be uh matt campbell or probably luke fickle yeah uh, he might be slightly a tear down from there but i think both of them are our names where you like if you even hear that happening it's like which donors do i have to pick it in front of their houses to shell out another 250 grand or whatever like mm. that that's the kind of thing where the odds of failing seem extremely low um yeah. The very good tier, like people I would be very excited about, even though I would be less certain that they're going to keep us in conference contention, would be, to me, somebody like Bronco Mendenhall, Kalani Sataki, Kellen Moore, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if he's, it sounds like he's more interested in staying in the pros, but yeah, which I don't know. We've had conversations with him before. Um, Any thoughts about any of them? I, I think Kalani Sataki from BYU, the thing that impresses me about him is they they had their kind of magical year uh two years ago or last year um well two years ago they were really good last year they were great and then Mm. this year was supposed to be like oh they're cycling down like some of their star players have moved on or graduated and they're really good again (laughs) like they have the program humming and i think it's not just like you hit a peak and you can't do that at a school like washington if you want to be a great coach there you have to be able to kind of continually peak <laughs> like, yeah you might be able to have an eight win year mixed in or whatever but you can't kind of go like six and six seven and five now our team is starting to mature mm-hmm. now we can win nine or ten games you have to yeah be able to Espe- well especially with the institutional and resource advantages that washington has compared to most of 
the schools, you know, west of Texas kind of, you know, obviously USC is number one in resources. And then, and then from there, it's kind of like Oregon, Washington. I, I don't know, like explicitly what AS uses, but UCLA kind of, um, yeah, so it, definitely. Yeah, you can't, with our advantages over our peers, you mm-hmm. really can't be like, oh, I guess we're going to go seven and five three years in a row. And then, oh, maybe we'll win one this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mendenhall, Bronco Mendenhall, I think, I heard a couple people float his name. Uh, obviously coached in the West for a long time. He's been at Virginia for several years. He's been really good at Virginia. Uh, UW is a better job uh, than Virginia, like straight yeah. up. Uh, but they've, they've been winning like eight or nine games plus at Virginia, which is very tough and have even kind of developed into a really exciting offensive team, which given the way the last couple of years have gone, I think people would be very excited to see that. So that's a name that I think is interesting. Um, then there's kind of the acceptable tier where it's like I, the name that we keep hearing is Justin Wilcox. I, I the, the feedback I've seen about Wilcox seems more bitter than I think it should like, he was so good as a defensive coordinator at Washington. I was really sad to lose him when he left. I, I thought like he mm-hmm. turned around a defense that had just been terrible uh, under Holt. I don't remember if there was another defensive coordinator in between Holt and him, but he was like instant results. I don't, uh, yeah. I don't think there was another one. I don't think there was them. either. Uh, and, and this is another thing where like the last two years, Cal has just been destroyed by the city's different like it's a lot of things that are out of his control and i'm not like judging the city of berkeley for having really restrictive covid rules because i think in a lot of cases that has probably been like better for the city and, yeah yeah definitely. Uh, like, I, like they, they can do that they're elected officials they, the yeah. football coach doesn't decide what they what rules they have in place but as a football coach if you if he didn't have these two really tough years with a lot of things out of his control going against him i think he's a lot like sexier name like a hotter name in the coaching market because like he did go eight and four there one year he got cal ranked two years in a row defenses are really good uh you have to figure out something offensively but that's been true for us for a few years um any other thoughts on wilcox i mean i I, i'm not thrilled i'd hope we pursue these other guys but i i would not be mad if you ended up getting the job yeah i think um i i do agree that i think the here's the thing with the Wilcox discourse hashtag discourse is that there is no side to it that I particularly enjoy. Um, on one hand you have like John Wilner as the Justin Wilcox or yeah, Wilcox, uh, like mouthpiece yeah. talking him up and talking about how like Berkeley is totally screwed him over and blah, blah, blah. And it's like pretty blatantly, uh, <laughs> like they're there, you know, it's, I, I think in our writer's chat, we were talking about this and you're like, it's not, you know, not a like explicit quid pro pro quo, but they're pretty obviously like their interests align and they're kind of like wink, wink working together with that. Um, so on that alone, I'm like, fuck y'all. I don't want Wilcox. But I also think the people who are like vehemently anti Wilcox, I think are like a little bit, um, extreme because the way that I think about it, like he's a pretty high floor guy, but the fact that he's cycled through OCs without really met much sustained success is kind of the thing that um, doesn't make me super enthusiastic. But he, I, what would what would frustrate me is if like we went, he was our, you know, like the guy that we went to right now. Yeah. Like straight away. Then I'm like, all right, well, you if you can't, you can't like negotiate down 
you can't negotiate with yourself before you negotiate with the person you actually want to negotiate with, you know? Yeah. So if you're negotiating yourself away from like better options, um, then like, okay, don't. (laughs) Yeah. Like Um, if if you're offering him the job because you think Matt Campbell isn't interested, it's like, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Michael Scott. Scott. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's like a, a decently high floor guy, especially when you look at like the resources that, I mean, Cal's a pretty hard place to, to, to win at um especially coming from you know going from sunny dykes air raid and then having to like turn that around and immediately making yeah. their defense kick ass but then like the offense sucked um like it, it's kind of one of those things where i'm like well UW's defense as it is now doesn't really need any help turning around so like uh, uh, <laughs> you, 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 Travis you, you, might have relative a to most relative <laughs> yeah, right. to most college uh, college football defenses like even UW at its worst still better than most of them um uh but but um yeah i still you know i wouldn't be like burning effigies if they hired justin wilcox but i certainly wouldn't be like really excited (laughs) you know yeah i yeah i think that's i mean we're kind of if we're star rating these we're kind of in the three star level and that's kind of how i feel if we like underwhelming but i know we won't i know we won't crash and burn yeah he's he's low ceiling high floor yeah yeah, pretty much Uh, he's the j he's the jake browning of coaches yeah which is ironic because he's the one coach who got jake browning benched yeah oh sort of yeah it's a, a prophecy of uh, a prophecy uh fulfilled yeah it was almost like exactly two years ago that that happened three years ago that, three years ago three, yeah yeah it was, no it was, it was three years like, ago i think it was, it was on halloween or halloween october, weekend anyway. it was halloween weekend it was october 2018 and i know that because i was not watching that game i was checking my phone for updates for that game because i was up in vancouver getting um drunk with uh, a bunch of journalists and students at the UBC student newspaper 100 like centennial celebration a who's who of Canadian journalism which I realize is sounds like a joke here but it really like half of half of Canadian uh like so so much of, of like CBC and CTV and like stars and sun up there is like all you know UBC grads and people so that was fun it was way more fun than um watching that game so um there are a few other names we didn't talk about Jonathan Smith he'll probably be a candidate um I don't know we can talk more about him if if his candidacy gets Mm -hmm. taken seriously uh but you know he's done well at Oregon State there's no doubt about that I've heard people mention Billy Napier, who's at Louisiana. That seems like a culture shock going from Louisiana to yeah. Seattle. Um, yeah, just purely really on well the field. There. Purely on the field, I think that would be awesome. But it does feel like something that would be kind of an, an inevitable. We'd lose him in a few years down the road if he does well, or he doesn't do well because it's such a culture shock and he can't adapt. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, you can't – I think he's somebody you still have to at least try for because, like, again, you can't – you can't just assume, oh, that won't work out, so we shouldn't even try. Yeah, at least, like, <clears throat> interview him, talk to him, see what yeah. he is, if you think his personality could adapt. Um, mm-hmm. Fair questions. Yeah, yeah. We are sponsored again this week by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Incredibly comfortable. 
licensed apparel with vintage designs. Homefield studies every school's history and traditions and digs through the archives to create thoughtful vintage designs. Uh, Washington had a big new Saturday launch earlier this year. We all got a bunch of uh, Homefield gear and it's excellent. Uh, important to note that the promo code Dog Pound is still available for 15% off your first Homefield purchase. We all have Homefield gear. We've been wearing it. They've been launching other kinds of gear. I was briefly mad at them last night when the Washington lost to Northern Illinois because they just lost launched their Northern Illinois line. And then I realized it was actually a Southern Illinois line and I couldn't blame <laughs> them at all for Washington shooting 23% or whatever in basketball. But so Homefield is in the clear for that one. You can still shop there. Very good collegiate apparel. We're going to be right back. We've got another ad that neither of us is reading. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit about ASU. And then we'll be all done. Thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking around. We are going to talk a little bit about the Arizona State game this weekend. Uh, Arizona State's good. They haven't been great because they've shot themselves in the foot a lot. They lost to BYU because they had 18 penalties in that game. They've had other games. Uh, they lost to Wazoo and they lost to Utah in conference. So they're four and two and trailing Utah uh, with a tiebreaker going the other way in the Pac-12 South. So probably not going to win the division, but they still are on track for a decent shot at eight or nine wins at the end of the year, which is a pretty good year considering they're missing like two thirds of their coaching staff uh, to suspension. They, uh, to paraphrase the late great Jimmy Lake, they run the damn ball. Uh, Jaden Daniels is a, I, I end up watching them a lot. In, like if the Huskies are done or haven't started yet, just because I like watching Daniels. I think he's a very mm-hmm. exciting quarterback and both uh, White and Trainum, their running backs are just like crazy fast and dynamic and fun to watch. That'll be a big problem. Yeah. It, they're going to run for a million yards against us. Uh, is there anything else about this matchup that jumps out at you? I, you know, there's the, the running offense, the penalties. It kind of seems like they're going to run all over us. They might get themselves penalized out of the game. Is there any more to it than that? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I kind of have similar thoughts about Jaden Daniels. He kind of reminds me of like a, a rich man's Chase Garbers, but like skinnier. So I kind of have mental images of them running it, running it, it being like third and two dropping back and him either getting a, a not super hard completion um, or just getting out of the pocket and running for, you know, six yards or whatever, <laughs> which last time I said that I predicted it because, <laughs> and it came true. I can't really say I predicted it when it was like an obvious thing right there. I used my eyes. I noticed what happens and I said it. And it happened. Uh, so it wasn't so much a prediction as an observation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I can't take credit. Uh, so I kind of, I kind of keep getting vibes of like, yeah, that's how this is going to go. I am curious. So we are down two coaches. I think they have three coaches suspended. Um, we can get maybe... both coaching staffs just completely out of here. Our job. I, that'll be good. Yeah. Good I, I I'm curious how often teams have played each other with this few official on-field coaches between the two of them. I don't remember the timing of Arizona State playing Wazoo earlier this year if it was before their like mass execution of Washington State coaches. I don't think uh, it was. Wasn't so it? this might set a Pac-12 record in recent history of fewest coaches participating in a game. Um, so that's an interesting tidbit. I, I, I remember talking to people and, and writing about Arizona State before the year saying like, I don't know if it matters that they don't have any coaches 
or they're missing half of their coaching staff. But the fact that most coaching staffs cumulatively cost like eight or $10 million a year, make me think that they matter in some way. So I'm just going to bump them down a couple notches and it's kind of been true. I think it's been true in the sense that they're really good and they kill themselves like every third game. Yeah. And, and like they just do incredibly stupid things every third game and they should absolutely have beaten BYU and they were way ahead of Utah in that game that they eventually lost. Um, and so I do think the coaching matters. I don't think it's going to make a difference this week because I don't think we have good coaches either right now. And we're also <laughs> short on coaches, so yeah. it's not a competitive advantage. But um, I, I think that's that's kind of been their fatal flaw this year. And the thing that's kept them from probably winning the Pac-12 South after USC derailed. Speaking of bad coaches and not having full coaching <laughs> staff, um, it's just like an absolute mess. Maybe when we everybody talks about how the Pac-12 is down, it's like, oh, <laughs> like, we have a bunch of bad coaches right now. I mean, yeah, uh, that's it. That has kind of happened. <laughs> that's been it for a hot minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just arriving at this very yeah. late. By, oh, did you uh, not know? No, just kidding. <laughs> We're not aware, but Clay Helton got another job. How bad can he be? Oh, yeah. Georgia Southern. <laughs> Georgia Southern. One of those right? Georgia S's. Directional. I think it's Georgia Southern. Southern. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably right. Uh, pretty much the same thing as Los yep. Angeles, as far yep, as yep. I know. Oh man, I totally forgot about that until right now. <laughs> Stuff, life happens fast. Yeah. I mean, that was a, a weird turnaround. You get fired from one job and then just take another job that is all the way across the country, has nothing to do with the previous job. And yeah. So on. I mean, he's, it, he's always been a, you know, Southern dude. So it, it did, it's not super shocking to me that he went back there, but, but yeah, it was a weird timeline more than like destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the weird part was always that he coached at USC for like 23 years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's, I, I don't think either of us have anything else to say about Arizona state. Um, I, I think I, I looked at this game. I said to myself, I'll probably pick it to be a, about 30 to 23 or something like that. And then I looked at SP SP plus predictions had it 30 to 22. And I was like validated Ooh. sticking with that one. Jeez. I think the line is five and a half. So that's Arizona state. Um, yeah, so be it. Let's talk about recommendations or plugs. You have anything coming up that you want people to know about? Um, I had a couple of shows, and then they were canceled. <laughs> and uh, what have I been watching? <laughs> oh man, I haven't. I haven't. I've just been staring at a at a wall. I haven't been reading anything. I haven't been watching anything except for again, public TV, as I'm known to do. Did I, um, did I sing, did I, oh, here, I have a good, I have a, an album. If you're into, if you're into like kind of Americana-y-ish, funky little, not funky, little combo of uh, words are hard, of like Americana, a little bit country, a little bit Rootsy. bluegrassy, whatever, uh, camp. The band did i ever did i ever say camp i don't think so no like c-a-m-p c-a-a-m-p okay um their album by and by is very delightful i tend to listen to that oftentimes i listen to that after hockey i don't know why i think there's something about you're kind of like you're like oh i don't know there's something about driving home and it's dark out and rainy and gross and i'm like mm, this is this is fun um <laughs> so that's a good that's a whole whole good album otherwise man i really have 
have have nothing prepared for that question today. <laughs> I struggled um, with this too. I, I feel like I've been uh, reading and watching things that I'm just kind of like lukewarm on. Like we've been, my wife and I have been watching Yellowstone because the new season comes out. I watch the show and I'm, every episode I'm like, I don't like this. I don't hate it, <laughs> but I don't like it. I could probably find something better to watch, but we agree on it. It's not worth the, yeah. not worth the like death scrolling through Netflix yeah. or whatever. Oh, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, go, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, speaking of, of shows, if, if this is for like the moms who listen to this, you know, there's so many moms, mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> back to public TV. <laughs> I, I mean, personally, I don't know about all the middle-aged men who listen to this. If you, any of you guys are really into uh, British period dramas of varying quality, but if you're into cute vicars solving crimes, it can be pretty corny sometimes. But Grantchester on Masterpiece Mystery, pretty, uh, pre- you know, probably not the target audience of that show is not the people who listen to this. But I, I like those recommendations. Man better. of God on a motorcycle being like, this is a murder. I think that's better because like the only other thing I could think of that I actually like that I've watched recently was Dune, but everybody like, yeah. that's not helpful to anyone Yeah, who doesn't know Dune? what Dune yeah. is. Dune yeah. is. I mean, it's great, but I mean, that was the best recommendation I yeah. have is that it was really good and it'd be worth watching, but everybody already knows that. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Have you heard of Star Wars? Recommend it. Um, <laughs> it's very Star Warsy. Yeah. No, if you want, <laughs> if you want a show where you're like, all right, it's murder but you're hanging out in the English countryside in the 50s. You know, at the end of every episode, there's like a sermon and stuff. <laughs> Main character, pretty good looking. That's it. Oh, there's a dog. That's good. I'm really, I should, um, would you believe most of my work comes from marketing? <laughs> you're actually, that description, like 90% of it applies to Yellowstone. And, um, and that applies to 90% of British TV too. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. I think we've, we've pretty much finished what we have to talk about. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you couldn't tell from the last couple of minutes. So yep. make sure, uh, I think things are, we've, we've kind of bottomed out emotionally on this season, so it's going to get better. It can only get better. Uh, especially if we can get Cody Pickett to join us next week. There we go. We're ever getting closer. So thanks for listening and go dogs. Go dogs. If you're really good, you will rise to a certain position where you won't, you know, where, where eventually you will hit obstacles. And it's just, if you're like a football coach, like that humbling experience affects a whole lot of other people and is in the public eye. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I think you mentioned this too, Gaby, but it was like, can't we just demote him back to like defensive backs coach? Yeah. (laughs) Like you never, I mean, that's what sucks is you never, ever, that can never happen. Not, not at the same school, but I wish, cause if he leaves, you know, the DBs have been kind of like along with tight end, which he does always had, you know, a good tight end room or whatever, but uh, you worry like what happens with the DBs that have been like kind of the rock of the position groups for years now, maybe that goes away if Lake leaves altogether, but you know, you can't have it all. Yeah, no, I think so. that um, I, I think that's one of the things that's such a pain in the ass as far as being a fan of 
really any sports, anything, but especially football, because football operations exist on like such a crazy scale um, that like it, like the Peter print, the Peter principle of like, if you're good, you'll get promoted until you're at a position where you're not competent for it is, is just a, a crappy truth, but it's especially annoying in sports and especially in football because of the scale. Cause it's like, you'll take somebody who is such a genius at what they did and then, and then ruin it for everyone. And then you can't, like, you can't put that back in the box once you're there. Like you can't, like you have to fire them and then someone else will come in and they'll hire their own guys. And it's like, can't we just not? (laughs) Yeah. I I, I mean, it reminds me of the thing in this, especially happens in the NFL. It seems like we're like, a player will get in trouble for something or get arrested or whatever. And then their team has to release them. And then somebody mm-hmm. else signs them for a minimum contract and then they're awesome. And it's like a hack to the system. Yeah. I mean, I guess a version of that is like the chiefs getting Tyreek Hill like late in the draft mm-hmm. because he's like an asshole abuser. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that doesn't mean that they benefit from him any less. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Plus, except for then, I mean, that's such, yeah, such like a perfect NFL thing, except for then in the coaching scenarios where it's like, if it's scenarios where it's like, they're not, they don't drop because of like very explicit character concerns and abusive shit and all that. It's like, just because they r- rose to a point where they're not good enough at that job yet, then it's like even worse because it's not like, oh, we have to get rid of him because he's a shitty person who is a shitty person. It's just, we have to get rid of him because we flew too close to the sun but yeah. like the alternative is for a coach is someone who gets really good and then gets hired away of course then i think for me i don't know about you guys the the biggest takeaway i've gotten or this what this has been a reminder for me about is like don't hold on to your assistants just because they're great like don't be afraid of losing them i, I think that's what alabama's done so well is like they're saving at all isn't afraid of losing assistance. Like you want to lose your assistance because that means they're doing your job, their job really well and holding on to them and making moves based on holding on to an assistant who's really good at one job. It can fuck you over. <laughs> Ergo. Yep. No doubt. <laughs> with you. If you want to um, like fade in with what we were just talking about to the intro and then do the normal intro. I mean, it's all up to you. I don't know. I've never listened. No, I've never I listened that... to a second of this podcast after we <laughs> stopped recording. Oh, really? No, I, I don't like. Um, I thought I was going to listen to the one with Danielle just because I loved what she had to say.